Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we're taking you on a wildlife expedition with a scientist, but there's no need to pack your bags. We're going on an indoor safari to discover the species that live in our very own homes. You might never look at the bugs in your house the same way again. We asked our listeners which bugs they see in their homes and how they react. Do they just, like, scream and run away, or do they get curious? Here's what our listeners Leo and Milo had to say. Hi, my name is Leo, and I'm five years old. Hi, my name is Leo, and I'm 12 years old. And we live in the Bronx. And we live in the Boogie Down Bronx. And we see a lot of flies, one that talks, cockroaches, and ladybugs. When I see them, sometimes I come over to my mom and dad and and tell them, or sometimes I just look at them and just um, ride around on our scooters with light to see what happens. (laughs) I've never heard of using scooters with light to study bugs. It's a great idea, though. Maybe one day Leo and Milo will publish a paper, Ladybug Reactions to Personal Transportation-Based Light Sources. That would be totally brilliant and also totally possible. (laughs) So what bugs have you seen in your home and what do you do when you see them? Think about it. At the end of the show, we'll have a new activity for you to try out. For ecologist Rob Dunn, the bugs in our home are a huge opportunity for discovery. Because while scientists have spent a ton of time studying wildlife in the great outdoors, Rob says the indoors is actually the more unexplored region. In other words, we don't know who's living with us. It's a crazy unknown because it's the unknown we wake up in every morning. Um, I, I mean, that's something I've never thought about before. Me either. But Rob studies ecology, how species and the environment interact. It blew his mind to think that no one's really looked at the ecology of our own homes. And it turns out there was no study on Earth of which species in general are living in houses. And part of what had happened is that people like me had gone to rainforests to study faraway things that they thought were beautiful. And the people who studied houses were people who were mostly focused on how do we kill these things people really don't like. So the only thing people really want to know about the bugs in their house is how to get rid of them. Exactly. And that's kind of a shame for science. And so there was nobody left to study sort of the broader picture of what was going on in houses. Rob decided that person would be him and a bunch of his scientist friends. And so we thought, well, what are we going to do? And we decided that the first thing to do was to try to survey, you know, a handful of houses to figure out what was really in them. The plan was to go into 50 regular homes, look in every nook and cranny, and then make a list of all the species they found. Ooh, a fun indoor safari. I hope they wore a pith helmet. (laughs) Me too, me too. But before they got started, they went to the scientists who tried to figure out how to kill insects and asked them what they might find. And everybody thought this would be super boring. 
you know, you're going to find like five things. You're going to find cockroaches. You're going to find house flies. You're, maybe you'll find a bed bug or two. They also might find that it's maybe time to call somebody about that. <laughs> yeah, especially bed bugs. Like one or two usually means that there's more. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe like a thousand. And that's also not the only things that they found. My house had a hundred species. Oh, a hundred. Spe- that seems like a lot of species. Is it a lot? It sounded like a lot to me. I mean, and then I worried, right? Like, what's going on in my house while I'm gone? So he goes out and all the bugs are like, oh, he's gone. It's time to start discussing that book. Now, you and I both finished War and Peace last week. (laughs) Jim Cockroach. (laughs) Well, after the scientists had studied all 50 homes, they got some pretty surprising results. And it would turn out that that was the average that quite a few houses had many more species than a hundred. really thought our house just had like two or three species, like adult humans, kid humans, which are a completely <laughs> different species. We're one of many, many species living in our home. So what species were in these homes? Every single house we've ever surveyed has book lice. Book lice? So they're like the leaders of the book club. <laughs> And if you pay careful attention to dust, you'll see them moving. They're around you right now, I guarantee. They're watching us. Along with their dusty friends, the dust mites. You can't see them, but they're everywhere. And they make you sneeze. Nearly every house had dust mites, you know, and multiple species. And even a predatory mite that eats dust mites. Oh, wait. So there's mites that eat mites? (laughs) Yeah, and that's not all. The average house had eight species of spider, and there's a food chain there, too. The most common spider in houses is a spider that mostly eats other spiders. Spider-eating spiders? That's crazy. And so think about it. You have dust mites eating the things that are falling apart in your house, predatory mites eating the dust mites, something else eating those predatory mites, spiders eating those, and then a spider eating the spiders. It's like there's a full ecosystem going on inside our houses that we don't even know about. I don't know if, how I feel about like living with spider eating spiders. <laughs> True. Like, I wouldn't really choose them as roommates, like if we were doing interviews, but... <laughs> You're like, so I'm a spider eating spider. It's, you know, it's a good living. <laughs> So whether we invite them or not, and no matter how much we clean or how many anti-pest products we use, we're really fighting a losing battle to live alone. All of the evidence suggests that you can't make your house lifeless. In other words, there's no such thing as a bug-free, germ-free home. We've worked with people who studied the space station, for instance. And the International Space Station has spent extraordinary quantities of money trying to make the space station lifeless, except for the human. And it has dust mites. It has hundreds of species of bacteria and fungi. And so if the space station can't make a lifeless environment, you won't. All right, so I'm never cleaning up again. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going that far. We still have some control. One key question is not whether do you want to live with other species, but which species do you want to live with? And the one thing I can unambiguously tell you is if you try to kill everything, you'll end up with the most awful, sneakiest, in many cases, most harmful stuff. The most harmful stuff meaning the bugs and germs that are actually bad for your health. But so how can we find out who's living in our house? 
It's actually really easy to do a scientific house survey, or as I like to call it, an indoor expedition, just like Rob's team did. And so the, the first places to look are light fixtures and windowsills. Oh, totally. Like, there's always tons of bugs there. <laughs> so why are they always going to lights and windows to die? They're attracted to the light, and then things just happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Imagine a light fixture that's hanging around a bulb, and so things can fly in the top and then fall down. That's lights out, Mr. Bug. <laughs> Rob says that this is the best first stop on your indoor expedition. Take the light fixture down carefully and tip the bugs out onto a piece of paper. Even among scientists, when you first look, you'll say, oh, there's not very much. But pay a little more attention and there will be 10 kinds of flies in a single light fixture. There will be two kinds of wasps. There will be several kinds of ants. Several kinds of ants? Oh my gosh, what kinds? Well, you probably won't know the names of the species, but the thing is to spot the differences between them. And then take good pictures, because they'll be helpful later. Those places we look first. And then we start to look under the bed, in the bathroom, in corners... And just go room to room throughout the house. Each room is its own little ecosystem. There tend to be different species associated with different rooms. And these species have been living in these rooms basically since humans started building them. And so in kitchens, there's a whole suite of species that evolved thousands of years ago to take, take advantage of what's in the pantry. King Tut had the species you have in your pantry for the most part. We have King Tut's bugs in our pantry. I mean, not the exact same bugs. <laughs> that would be remarkable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I'm opening a museum now. <laughs> what Rob means is they're the same species. Like those pesky moths and beetles you find ruining your flower right when you're ready to make cookies. <laughs> really terrible roommate behavior. Yeah, they're called grain insects, and they moved in with humans around the time that we started farming, over 12,500 years ago. When he started having food to store in big, delicious piles. It becomes a better deal if they can move in with humans than living their wild lives. For example, by the time of Amarna, Egypt, which is 1350 BCE, there are already about 70 species living indoors that appear to have already evolved traits that make them better able to live indoors. Wow. Man, they adapt so quickly. Like, we're really fighting a losing battle. <laughs> yeah. So, but are you going to find the same species everywhere? I mean, I know that there aren't the same bugs in New York as there are in Texas. There are a lot more bugs in Texas. <laughs> Rob wondered the same thing. He wanted to compare the species in his home to what lives in other places. What's different, what's the same, and why is that? We started to study insects and their relatives in houses in other regions. We did a survey in Japan. We did one in Peru. Japan and Peru were really interesting, but Rob quickly realized it would take forever to survey homes everywhere on the planet that he wanted to know about. And he thought the actual work of spotting species really wasn't that hard to do. So he started to think. Is there a way to enable adults, kids around the world to start to help us to document this life? Ooh, wait, so is there a way that everyone in the world can send Rob their species? Yes, but it's not a matter of sending your dead bugs in an envelope through the mail. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go back for a second, because remember how we talked about taking photos of your bugs? That's what Rob actually wants to see. And he found a way to get those photos on where else but the internet. And this is a project called Never Home Alone on the app called iNaturalist. On iNaturalist, thousands of people share their photos of nature for citizen science projects. Rob's project, which is called Never Home Alone. Oh, how disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) It's just for photos of your indoor species. So if you upload your pictures there, other people on the project will help you identify your bugs. Oh, that's so cool. So not only can we find out what bugs live in our house, but scientists can use this information too. Yes. So Rob can actually get a pretty good picture of what kind of spiders live in New Zealand's houses or what flies live in Russian houses. And if any species pop up that are just like totally unexpected. If somebody discovers something new and exciting, we can then build on that. We can go to your house. You find a new species in your basement and and we realize we haven't seen it before. We can fly to Japan and go figure out what it is. That's so cool. So it's kind of like an indoor species scientist bat signal or something. <laughs> the key to making this work is to get a lot of people on the project working together to identify species all over the world. Rob's dream is to fully document what lives inside homes everywhere. And he thinks it's possible. It's kind of a beautiful testament that when working together, we can study something we couldn't do on our own but also a measure of how early we are in discovery, how much remains to be known. We don't yet know what's, what's in the place we wake up. To me, that speaks to the grandeur of, of what's on more distant landscapes. If you realize as a kid that you can make new discoveries in your house, boy, what must be in your backyard? What must be in those forests that we conserve? And so that's my broader hope, is that we can engender a sense of, of discovery around the world and then make those discoveries. So now you're ready to set off on your own indoor expedition. All you need is some paper, a pen, a camera, and maybe a magnifying glass if you have one. First, make a list of what you think you'll find. Then start examining your lights and windowsills, looking at each individual bug. Is every ant in your house really the same? Take the best photos that you can, Then move on to all the other rooms. When you're done, go to our website, sciencepodcastsforkids.com. There we'll have instructions on how you can sign up with your family for Rob's project, Never Home Alone. So next time you see a bug in your home, don't look the other way. Remember, you could be on the road to scientific discovery. Thanks to Rob Dunn, professor of applied ecology at North Carolina State University. He's also the author of the new book, Never Home Alone, and several other great science books for adults. Rob is one of my favorite science writers, so definitely check out his writing. Also thanks to Leo and Milo and their parents for sending in their recording. For this episode, we've partnered with Science Mom to create a coloring book of the bugs you might see in your home. It's full of super interesting information about common household bugs. It's available free for our Patreon members. So just go to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast and sign up at any level to get the downloadable bug guide. 
We'll also have a link on the blog post for this episode, along with all the info about how to sign up for Never Home Alone, the project on iNaturalist. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote and produced this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I made all of the music. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery.